0: We are continuing our sermon series called Our House. In the middle of the... I just wanted to see if I could swipe my old guy car one more time, right? <laughs> our House is all about our house. This is our house of worship. But if you look at this graphic, it's, it's kind of telling, right? Because you got these crumbly old walls. Does that mean that our house is falling down? Or, <laughs> no, thank you very much. That's almost like a Jesus answer, right? It doesn't mean our walls are falling down. It means that we're expanding outside of our walls so that our house becomes our house and that the world can experience what we get to experience as we encounter Christ and his spirit and the fellowship that we enjoy with one another. So our house has uh, several components. This is the wrap-up. If you've missed the other two, you can always go back and catch them on WordServe.org or on our YouTube channel. We talked about the commandment versus the commission and calling, Today, we're gonna talk about collaboration. This may be a surprise to you, but we attend a church called Word Serve. (laughs) Pause for dramatic effect. Word Serve. Now, the reason that we call it that is because we believe so much in the preaching and teaching of the word and the serving of the world, but those two go together. We never wanna separate those two things because when you do, you get some weirdness or you can get some weirdness. So that's why we mash that word together word serve. we never want to separate those two things but let me ask you this uh if you remember the the movie what was it twilight uh, there was team jacob and there was team uh edward how, how do you know that <laughs> right so i want to ask you what team are you on this morning are you on team word or are you on team serve so by show of hands how many people are on team word oh, we don't know what to do bill Ugh. I know, this is the fun part for me, right? (laughs) How many of you are on Team Serve? Okay, this is really interesting because I saw a lot more Teams uh, Serve than I did Team Word, which doesn't surprise me, actually, knowing that your record of service is pretty darn outstanding. But let me ask you this. I, I know we have different affinities, things that we identify with, but here's the key question. Which one is more important, Word or Serve? Don't answer that because... (laughs) I don't want to incriminate you on camera. No. Uh, We are going to go into Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And as you find your way into Acts chapter 6, we're going to see a situation. The, The church, the New Testament church, is rapidly growing. They're getting in people all the time. And they have a crisis. And this is a good problem to have because they have a problem between some of the people that are being brought into this new church are not getting cared for. And so they have to figure out how to do that so like any good church will do the first thing they do is they convene a lead team meeting pause for dramatic effect All right. so the lead team meeting is all about trying to figure out how do we deal with this and so we're going to hear the situation as we read Acts six one through seven let me kick it off oh i got it on the the screen for you too there we go boom i check everybody doing okay with that i'm not i'm reading it from here all right. in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained that the Hebraic Jews uh, against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, "It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables." Brothers and sisters. Choose seven men from among you, who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word." This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, and a convert to Judaism. They presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them so the word of god spread the number of disciples in jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith this is the word of god for the people of god and for these words we are grateful here's a note to self if you're ever going to read scripture in public try not to pick a scripture that has a lot of biblical names in it that's just a handy tip for you uh one of the things that strikes me right off here we're gonna walk through this so so leave your your text open or your app open but one of the things i want to point off right off the get-go is this is a problem because of growth this is a good problem to have and we tend a lot of times to look at problems as "Oh, oh another problem but if it's because growth it's it's because the kingdom of god is making advances this is a good problem to have and they have a good problem they're growing so rapidly that not everybody's getting taken care of the first thing I want to point out here in verse 1 is is how uh, th- this reminds me of Jesus' words. I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The problem is that some of the widows aren't being taken care of. Now, pause for a moment and say, okay, taking care of widows, that sounds like something they would have done before Jesus in, in their Jewish religion. Exactly. Jesus didn't come to change everything. He just came to tweak the spirit of the, the law, not just the letter of the law. All right, so he's he's reinfusing what they're already doing. This New Testament church is not that far off. In fact, it's, a, some would say, a completion of what the Jewish nation started. You may agree. You may disagree. That's okay. But I want you to know that they are all about taking care of these widows. And here's the, another interesting thing. Hellenistic Jews versus Hebraic Jews. So Hebraic Jews are the Jews that are there. They're from the, the old tradition. The Hellenistic Jews are probably people coming in who have been displaced. They may or may not uh, be locals, they may be foreigners. And uh, who is it that's uh, having the problem? If you read back in here, they break Jews because their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So they call the lead team meeting and they decide, okay, which is it? And to put it in our vernacular, is it word or is it serve? Now, what answer did they come up with? <laughs> it's both, right? That's why I didn't want you to pick serve server word, right? Because it's both. We're going to talk about how we can get into both as well. But it, they, they say it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word to serve tables. And that's a, a, a euphemism. They're not literally waiters at a table. They're taking care of people. So we have to be able to do both, but no person can do it all. It would be like uh, saying, well, you know, uh, Erica can do it all. Erica is very capable. Erica probably could do it all, but that's not the question. Should Erica do it all? I'm going to say no, but more to follow on that. So, as they, they gather everybody together and they make this decision, they choose these seven people. Now, your text will say they chose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. In modern times, they, they may not have chosen seven men because uh, they would have just stopped at full of it but um, <laughs> pause for comedic effect. Okay, it's not getting any better. <laughs> so uh, full of the spirit and wisdom, I wanna talk about that for just a second because this, is, this makes all the difference. It's not just about having an opening and plugging a hole. It's about finding the person that is full of spirit and wisdom. These words would have meant something to the people of that time. They all understood the same vernacular. When you talk about someone who is full of wisdom, Wisdom is from God, and in in their culture, wisdom comes from God. And wisdom is different than knowledge. It's not just about knowing things. It's not just about being smart or intelligent. Wisdom drives right action. Let me say that again. Wisdom drives right action. And what is the right action? The right action is in relation to God. And they also believe that this particular wisdom, which translated into action, was based on God's goodness. And so if you had someone who was full of wisdom, you knew that it wouldn't just be self-contained, it would be something that comes out of them in their actions. And you knew that it would be good, so good that it had to come from God. That's the person they're looking for in terms of wisdom. Full of the Spirit, that's pretty evident, because just a few chapters before, it's when the Holy Spirit has come. And the day of Pentecost, when the, the Spirit blows through, and they're gifted with all these different things, but what fascinates me is if you look into Galatians 5, for example, people are mostly familiar with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is all those things that you would want in someone who is representing Christ. Uh, whos you know, Who wouldn't want peace, joy, love, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those kinds of things? That's the kind of people that they're putting in charge of this ministry. What fascinates me about that specific instance, though, is that the, the people who are complaining that they're widows were not being taken care of? Did you catch what they said? Oh, we will uh, turn this ministry over to you. So here's the first lesson that you learn in church life in the New Testament. Don't complain about it because you get put in charge of it, right? (laughs) That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is how much trust was there to say, okay, there's this problem, and our widows could not be taken care of too if we turn this over to you, but we're going to trust that you are people who are full of wisdom and full of the Spirit, and you're going to take care of everybody. You're going to figure out a way to do this. And so we're going to entrust our widows to you and your widows as well. So lumping it all together. And then they go through this process of taking care of the widows so that the disciples, the originals, can continue the ministry of the word. See, it's not word or serve. It's word and serve. And sometimes we forget that, even, even in modern times. It's not uh, too hard to do, to be honest with you. It, it, it comes pretty naturally sometimes. But it, it just fascinates me that all these people are willing to come together and figure out a solution so that the kingdom of God continues on. It And we know that it continues on because look at verse 7. The word of God spread. The numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased, not just a little bit, increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So, people who were uh, Jesus' original target finally said, Okay, you know what? Uh, All the other stuff that Jesus did when he was alive didn't convince me. But what I'm seeing with my eyes now, as these people come together to advance the kingdom of God, to care for these widows, that put me over the edge. And so, I'm going to come to that faith. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of team, word, serve. They would have said that if that had been back then, but that's okay. So we have to figure out in our modern times how we're gonna do this, because here's the challenge. When you look at word serve, if we're all word and no serve, it gets pretty intellectual. It gets pretty theory-based. There's not a lot of actions to that. It can seem cold, calculating, intellectual, academic, whatever other words you want to throw in, none of which is bad, as long as that's not all. But when that's all you see, it, it can be a, a little bit of a turnoff. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's a, it's a true statement. All word and no serve is a, a pretty empty faith. In fact, uh, James had some words about that. If you've ever read the book of James, you know that uh, two things about James. Reading James is like confetti. It just goes everywhere, right? like the word should Uh, but reading james is very much like cheesecake it's very rich right so you have to take it a little bit at a time and kind of digest it and and then the other thing that i notice about james is he for sure does not mince words he just tells it like it is and this is what he says about um people who have faith or excuse me who know the word but don't have the actions to go with it sure wish that thing hadn't fallen off because it marked my spot (laughs) Here we go. I was just going to read you the whole book. It's a short one. (laughs) So it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, then what good is it? And in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Like I said, James doesn't mince words. Faith without action is a dead faith. I serve a living Christ and so do you I don't serve a dead one and so my faith should be equally alive and how do I do that well I have to know about it but I also have to do it I have to word it and I have to serve it the word part though is still important because even as we serve we have to be able to tell the story if we can't tell the story we can't do the mission There was a a word for that back in the day in the air force if you couldn't do the mission and your whole unit couldn't accomplish its mission it was rated combat ineffective the last thing you wanted to be rated was combat ineffective because you got all kinds of attention and it was not good people got fired people got removed from their positions people got booted out of the service you had to be mission effective so hear what i'm saying we have to at least be able to tell the story or we can't do the mission What's the mission? To make disciples. There, I was waiting for it. I was just waiting for somebody to say Jesus, because that's what you always say, but, which is not a bad answer, right? It's to make disciples, to teach, to preach, to baptize, to help them to follow the ways and be obedient to the commandments that Jesus gave us. If we can't tell the story, we can't do the mission. I'm not saying you have to be eloquent. I'm not saying you have to have a seminary degree. I'm not saying that you have to stand on the, pre- on the street corner and preach. I'm saying, whatever that is for you, figure out a way to tell the story. Because if you read on in Acts 6, and you see this guy who was appointed, his name was Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. And Stephen didn't die because of what he did. Stephen actually died because of the story he told. Stephen made the mistake of telling the truth. If you read the account of Stephen stoning, it happens shortly after this in in the, the next chapter. Stephen was singled out, brought before the Sanhedrin, and they were grilling him. And read that account. It's fascinating because Stephen, this guy who is waiting tables, this guy who is full of spirit and wisdom, recounts the entire history of Israel right up and through the time of Jesus and points to Jesus as the Messiah. And I'm pretty sure they're all on board right up until that point when he goes, and Jesus was the Messiah and you killed him. They didn't take that very kindly. And so they stoned him. Literally, stoned him to death for telling the truth. See, Stephen was a server, but he also knew his word. And he knew it well enough to tell the story. That's all I'm saying. Just know it well enough to tell the story, whether you use words or not, that's great. But tell it in the way that you tell it. Live it in the way that God lives in you. And let the world see word and serve together. So how do we apply this? What are are the application steps that we have for today? (laughs) First one is to be full of it. (laughs) (laughs) Be full of wisdom. How do you get full of wisdom? Well, you have to have a pretty strong attachment to God, and that's just all there is to it. If wisdom comes from God, then that's where I start. But if wisdom stops in me, in other words, uh, what I used to say is uh, I'm not reading for me, I'm reading for us. It's kind of like when when women go to the smorgasbord and they're pregnant. I'm, I'm eating for. I'm eating for two, right? Yeah. I, well, I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna get myself in trouble if I keep going. So I'm just gonna stop there. <laughs> I'm eating for two, right? Well, I'm reading for two, or I'm studying for two, or I'm I'm going to that small group for two. I'm not going just for me, because there's somebody else that is gonna benefit from this wisdom that drives right action and goodness. And then the next step is to be uh, in tune with the Holy Spirit. That just simply requires opening up, letting the Spirit flow through me. We had this scarcity mentality where, like, oh, I've got to get enough Spirit to last for the whole week. How many of you here to recharge your batteries so you can get through one more week? Don't raise your hand. That's the way I approached church for decades until I realized it's not about charging up to have enough for next week. That's a battery. That's terminal. That's it comes and goes. I'm here to plug in to the current that will follow me when I leave this place, that will run through me continuously. There is no running out of that. The only way that I kink that current is if I break away from it or I put a kink in the supply chain. That's probably a poor choice of words. I know you all are frustrated right now with the supply chain, but that's the way it goes, right? And I do that, not the Spirit. The Spirit is there. You can read in John uh, 14 where the, the Spirit's job is to teach us, to remind us of everything that Jesus said while he was here on earth to guide us. So you have to make time to connect with all that. How do you do that here? Well, I just mentioned community groups. That's a great way. I mentioned service opportunities where you can practice that serve and figure out how do I tell the word in the middle of that serve. We also have opportunities coming up. I'm telling you there's there's a, always going to be more need than we can meet. What if the lead team gathered today and appointed seven people to be in charge of various areas, and the kingdom rapidly expanded. Wouldn't that be awesome? Is God calling you to be one of those seven, one of those full of wisdom, one of those walking in the spirit? If you feel that tug in your heart, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, don't ignore it. Because some of the greatest regrets i've heard from people in their life was that time way long ago when the spirit put a tug on my heart and i ignored it and i can't go back and capture that listen if that's you this morning let me give you some hope if if you have quote ignored the spirit i am chief among them but here's the thing about the spirit it it's not just a one and done it's not like god's gonna go here's your great opportunity don't blow it oh i just wrote you off my list you're done God is a God of grace and forgiveness, and he will try again and again and again and again. So if you feel that tug next time, why not open up to it and see where God leads, see what God has for you in the midst of that? Because if we don't, if we just become word, or even if we just serve ourselves, then we risk not doing the second step of application, which is to be relevant the walls that were crumbling down, the only way that that happens for us to get our house out into their house and become our house is that we have to take it out there. We have to word, we have to serve outside of these walls. Otherwise, everybody thinks that we're not relevant. We don't understand what they're going through. We don't deal with what they're dealing with. We can't possibly understand the cycle of poverty that's out there. Let me tell you, if you, if you serve on a project and you see real poverty five miles from here, you'll have a whole new understanding of poverty. Now, I know that demographic is changing. That's true. But here's the thing. I think there's an even bigger problem in this area. Even though we're rapidly growing, even though we're upwardly mobile, even though we're building subdivisions with houses that are cost more than I've ever seen in my life or will ever see, I think that was God saying, stop talking about your, your salary. <laughs> is the finance team out there? Yeah. <laughs> Even though we're seeing all of this rapidly growing around us, you know what I'm seeing most of? I'm seeing spiritual poverty. And you know the reason I know this? Because there's been an uptick in people talking about spiritually related issues. I'm seeing broken people, broken hearted. I'm seeing people who are having relational issues, whether that's with children or parents or spouses or listen, if that's you, you're not alone. It's, it's its own pandemic and it can be healed that's the spiritual aspect of what we do by being relevant they mentioned widows we have an opportunity for widows too now they're not real widows well maybe some of them are but we've talked about the Seelie pregnancies who wants to live in that world you see word serve it's not word or serve it's word serve And in that, we glorify God. Where is God calling you in 2022 to word or to serve? Or should I say word and to serve? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunities that we have to serve. I pray that you would put on our hearts places that we can do both. Enliven us, enrich us. Let us be led by your spirit. Let us be filled with your grace and let us spread the message of good news that you alone bring. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.